0: Brace yourself for Steve Fisher and Byron Tidwell. Old Guys Bitching.
1: I'm Steve. And I'm Byron. And we are Old Guys Bitching. bitching. Yes, we are. We have a lot to bitch about this week. The midterms are getting closer. And the Republicans, knowing that they can't win legitimately, are using their scare tactics again to make their, uh, their hordes think that the world is going to shit if the Democrats win, when it's exactly what will happen if the Republicans win.
0: Well, exactly, and not only are they using those weird scare t- tactics, they are <laughs> they are crediting the Democrats with all of their shit, and yeah. then they are uh, actively working to suppress the vote, notably in Georgia with right. Brian Kemp, the Secretary of State, who is running for governor, and— Uh, It just happens to be running the election, and as far as we know, there are 53,000 voter applications that are not being processed, most of them, 70% is the estimate, are uh, people of color. And then up in North Dakota, the uh, Native American population has been shut out from voting because they don't have street addresses on reservations. I worked Mm -hmm. with uh, many, many Indian tribes in the uh, 1980s, and I can vouch for it. There are no street addresses. So uh, there's that going on. And then even in Nevada, the uh, state where I live, there were 90,000 voters purged from the rolls. Now a lot of those were are no longer residents of Nevada, so okay, you know that that's cool. But there are people who don't know whether they have uh, been purged or not, and they don't they have not heard. Hey, check your registration online. Uh, also in Georgia, uh, <laughs> this is kind of wacky. I have um, many friends who are attorneys uh, in the state of Georgia. And about half of them, and they're all white guys. Uh, <laughs> oh, that's about the ha- first problem. <laughs> about half, no, but about half of them discovered that they were purged in Georgia and had to jump back in as fast as they could to re register. And the reason they were told that they were purged, and this is every single one of the eight. The reason they uh, were told that they were purged is that uh, they did not vote in a special election that was held last year.
1: Really? Is that a
0: thing? Uh, apparently, that's a reason that the Republicans are using. And uh, Wouldn't that wipe out about 90% of voters? Uh, yeah. yeah, I think that's, uh, that was probably the intent. And the thing is, is they said, oh, well, you know, we sent you a postcard. Well, lovely.
1: said, wish you were here? What the
0: heck did the postcard (laughs) say? (laughs) uh, Okay, you know, and on top of that, look at how much junk mail you get in your mailbox. I get a ton of it. If it looks like spam, I'm going to throw it out. And that's probably happened... You know, I asked my friend Mitch, and Mitch said, uh, "You know, if it came, yeah, I would yeah. never know because uh, I throw that crap back."
1: It's, it's. I, I'm telling you, I am, I am. As much as I would like to see this country fixed the good old American way through voting, I think it's going to have to be the old American way through revolution. And I really. So
0: are you going to follow, follow your leader,
1: Alec Baldwin, who was calling for that? <laughs> uh, if if Alec Baldwin's the leader, I'll follow him. Uh, yeah. Um, no, I'm following Thomas Jefferson actually, who has said a little, uh, you know, a little rebellion now and then is a good thing, and especially when you see your country going down the tubes, um, it's it becomes the only thing.
0: Yeah, un- unfortunately, it's getting that way. They, uh, you know, the thing that is baffling me is Mitch McConnell—oh, wait, I didn't say that correctly. You didn't. Treasonous traitor Mitch McConnell— There you go. —is openly saying that, uh, hey, we're going to cut Medicare and And Social uh, Social Security. Security. And we're just going to do it, guys. Anybody pay for the tax
1: cuts for the wealthy. Yes.
0: Anybody who is listening, you know, our (laughs) listener, uh, (laughs) you've got to get out and vote for your Democratic candidate. candidates, because uh, that's just like insane. And it would seem like every Democratic candidate in the country should just be using that little video clip.
1: Yes. And, and you have to also contribute to the Mitch McConnell hit fund <laughs> that I am starting soon. <laughs> if I don't get arrested first.
0: I was talking to a friend who was going to, uh, uh, to have lunch with a friend of his in a fancy-schmancy hotel. And as he approached the doorway of the hotel, he was suddenly, along with everybody else there on the sidewalk, they were held back. Three, um, like, Cadillac Escalades rolled up, you know, the big black SUVs. And bodyguards got out. And Mitch McConnell got out. Somebody standing close to my friend said, Mr. McConnell, as you know, to launch into uh, uh, asking a question. And my friend said that McConnell looked their way uh, thanks to those wonderful glasses he wears. His eyes were magnified to like three times (laughs) any human size. And he... And he bolted. He took off running. He got ahead of his Secret Service or bodyguards or whoever there. And so my friend said it looked like they were chasing him. And he says, God, I hope somebody got video because that's wonderful. Uh,
1: uh, But, but, you know,
0: again, that just shows that Republicans are terrified of American citizens. Terrified.
1: Yes. Yes. Unless, Unless they have millions of dollars and they're writing a check. Right. That's about the only time they like American citizens. If you are one of the masses, forget it. Republicans do not give a shit about you. And if you think they do, then you are a fool. You are an absolute fool. And, and the amount of people in their base who are voting for them are getting absolutely none of the breaks from their legislation. It's all going to the rich.
0: that is so true. And the
1: ultra rich.
0: That is so, so true. And, you know, again, the thing of being afraid of uh, their constituents in uh, the congressional district, uh, Alabama 5, which is kind of my hometown. And and I take a lot of interest. By the way, my candidate for city council there that I backed and worked for, uh, she won. And she won by like a 20 point margin. Congratulations.
1: Over. So your check wasn't wasted. Well,
0: it wasn't even my check. It was my <laughs> making noise. And uh, so I've um, I've moved over to work on the uh, congressional candidate who I'm having to slap around a lot because the guy is uh, – he's a rich guy. I know him personally. He's a rich guy, but he's one of these guys who – even though he is uh, philosophically matched up with your uh, philosophy, and my philosophy, he's a rich guy, and so he expected voters to come to him like they owe him. So I've had to slap him around, say, "No, you, get your butt out there," because your your opponent, the fabulous Mo Brooks, uh, who is the Louis Gomert of Alabama, he he's so afraid he does not go out in public at all. He will not be seen in public i said so challenge him to a debate he's not going to be there he's not going to show up and what you want to do is you want to get an empty chair and you want to write his positions on uh like poster board and you debate the empty chair and when you finish the topic put his uh statement right up there so everybody can see it i also told this guy he needs to do it in like the poor section of town the section of where people are the working poor, and they are in their own homes, and they've sort of been redlined, you know, because it's uh, Alabama. Uh, but even if even if they're they're white, if they you know income is low enough, they they're still in that area, and notify everybody, notify every uh, television state news station, uh, every radio station. I tell them don't. Just notify public radio stations. You got those people. Notify the other stations. Get them up there. Make sure you have uh, somebody who handles your social media to get everything up online because this is crucial.
1: Well, you've got, and you've got, you've got crazies all over the country who are running. you got Duncan Hunter in California. Who's <laughs> yeah, indicted. I mean, yeah. the guy is going to jail. And he's running for re-election. He's got nothing of intelligence to say. And he's just going on the scare tactics because uh, his, um, the, his opponent, a uh, young, very intelligent young man. Uh, I can't remember his name, but it, it, it's kind of a, uh, an Arabic name, um, even though the guy's Christian. But, <laughs> uh, but Duncan Hunter is trying to paint him as a terrorist.
0: Well, of course he is. Uh, Devin Nunes in California. I was kind of uh, surprised to learn that he's also what uh, back in the uh, the 19th century would have been termed a a carpetbagger because he's not actually really from there, just like the guy running for governor in the state of Nevada. Adam Laxalt. Now, Adam Laxalt has a grandfather that people recognize those names. Uh, that's uh, Paul Laxalt. But yes. a- Adam Laxalt... Which I'm sorry, but that sounds like a
1: diuretic or something. Yeah, it does. You <laughs> take some Laxalt, please? It's, uh, it'll make you feel better.
0: So anyway, he, he is also a person who uh, could not win in his home state, Utah. So he came over to uh, Nevada, where people don't pay attention to the lieutenant governor race because... Who the hell knows what the lieutenant governor does in Nevada? And I say that as being a 21-year resident of Nevada. But anyway, uh, so Adam Laxalt is running for governor. And his entire family is opposed to him. His family's been doing ads saying, don't vote for this guy. He's, he's a total asshole.
1: Now, and, and you had a Republican candidate down there in Nevada who you killed off. Oh, well, of course we did. Where were you on the night of his birthday party? <laughs> it was the guy, uh, this guy, what's his name? I don't remember uh, the guy's uh, name. Let's see, uh, Dennis Hoff. Dennis Hoff, who's claimed to fame was th- was that he was the pimp at a legal brothel in the uh, The Bunny
0: Ranch in northern Nevada. Right. And, the, and uh, the Moonlight Ranch in southern Nevada. I have a theory. I do. Yes, I, I think that, you know, because of the party and the people who were there, that uh, Hoff uh, drifted off to sleep for just a moment, uh, awoke in uh, in ecstasy, and realized he was being blown by Ron Jeremy. That's enough to kill anybody. Um, oh, my
1: God. Uh, well, thank you. And on that note, we're going <laughs> to turn away from politics, uh, because it just made me throw up a little in my mouth. <laughs> I want you. You told me a story just before we got going, and I want you to tell it to our listener. uh, That this is great because Eric Idle uh, of Monty Python's Flying Circus, a a very, very funny man, has a new book out, which I wish I had it in front of me. It's called
0: uh, um, Always always Look 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 on the Bright Side side. A Sort uh, sort of Biography. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. And uh, and you told me, tell me, tell the story.
0: Okay, so um, earlier this year, uh, John Cleese uh, published a, an autobiography, and I found it to be very informative and very uh, enjoyable. I, you know, it, it just sounded like John Cleese. It was, it was terrific. So uh, Eric Idle, who is, uh, is known among the Pythons as a greedy bastard, uh, <laughs> realized that he that he was missing out on the uh, uh, the autobiography money, so he wrote this. And as much as I admire Eric Idle on screen and for all sorts of things that he did, he has done, including uh, Spamalot. You know, he was yes. the uh, the creator of that, which is based on Monty Python material, but also really expanded in some. Monty songs. Python
1: and the Holy Grail, a great movie. If you now I, I just want to pause a second and okay. say for any of you listening um who don't know what we're talking about and don't know who Monty Python and the Holy uh, and uh, Monty Python's flying circus are. First, I want to ask, what the hell is wrong with you and where the <laughs> hell have you been? But beyond that, I want you to run out right now go to your streaming service i believe they're on netflix now and check them out because one of the funniest comedy troops of all time
0: wink wink nudge nudge
1: that's right okay go ahead say no more say no more
0: (laughs) so anyway (laughs) i i got the um eric heidel book and going through it it's um it's kind of an autobiography that maybe a uh, 16 year old would write I did this, and then I did this. I did this, and then I did that. And now I'm going to drop a name and not really tell you anything beyond uh, dropping the name. And then I did this, and then I did that. And so it it gets a little tedious. The uh, sections of it that I found enjoyable were things that uh, Idle had written for a specific purpose, like uh, uh, the um, George Harrison tribute and the Hollywood boa uh, in the early two thousands when George passed away, that, uh, was written for specifically for that. And it's funny and it's touching and it's very heartfelt, but otherwise all I could think is, geez, Eric, you are a greedy bastard. (laughs) So, so I was talking to a person, a a friend of mine who's, um, well, I don't want to do all this connection because, um, Uh, Let's just say that somehow uh, Eric uh, got the message that I said his autobiography sucked. (laughs) But I got a reply message, which is kind of fun, where he thanked me for uh, giving him a negative comment because he said everybody else is giving him positive comments other than the Pythons who had not even spoken to him about it. So that was kind of fun. You know, that,
1: that's awesome. Are you putting it in a special place?
0: Uh, sure, why not? It's in my email file, that's pretty special.
1: But you can print it out and frame it. Yeah, what am I going to do? Put it next, like to I'm, my... I'm doing with my thank you note from Bill Clinton.
0: Oh, yeah, but uh, you know, i, I what I'm gonna I put it next to my Frank Sinatra autograph. It's not the same, it's email.
1: <laughs> now, you know, it, it's interesting speaking of Bill Clinton. There is all this dredging up now of the Monica Lewinsky thing again in uh-huh. light of the Me Too movement, and there so there is a big uh, debate going on on whether or not he should have resigned uh-huh. at the time. Um, I don't know. I, I, I mean, can we can we go back and litigate things from twenty? 20- what was it This longer than 20 years ago, isn't well, it?
0: Well, almost exactly 20 years, uh, yeah. 1998. But, uh, you know, I'm going to say we need to kind of think of Monica Lewinsky. Is she happy with all this stuff that's being dredged up again?
1: And I've read things that she isn't mm-hmm. and would rather it didn't come up. I've also read some disparaging remarks about her that she went after other men of power. And that was her goal, was to compromise all these guys. So, I, I, I mean, when that's something that's not talked about in the meet, the whole Me Too discussion, because we always talk about women who were victimized. What about women who, in a sense, victimized the men, or, or didn't victimize them, but set them up to be victimized themselves? I mean, is that a thing? I mean, where, where do you... Where do you draw the line, and how do you how do you even uh, judge something like
0: that? It's it's really hard to say. I think in uh, the Monica Lewinsky situation, that's uh, you know people throwing spaghetti against the wall to see what sticks, because when you look at uh, which, by the uh, way, is
1: just a waste of good spaghetti.
0: It is, but when you look at uh, the Monica Lewinsky situation, she was a a very young woman mm-hmm. at the time, she was in a position which has got to, for anybody in that position, that job in the White House, you've got to feel a certain amount of awe which will uh, uh, disconcert you as far as making good decisions. And then you had a handsome, Bill Clinton a handsome guy, a powerful man who's paying a lot of attention to you, and you are returning it. So I don't necessarily think that, that she was out to do any harm. I think that she thought, wow, this is kind of fun. And uh, then it all fell apart. And, and thanks to um, the fabulous uh, Linda Tripp as played by John Goodman. And <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I think she had an ulterior
1: motive. And, and for those of you listening who don't know who Linda Tripp is or was? Is she still
0: alive? <laughs> John Goodman is. I don't know. <laughs> go
1: look. Go look her up. I mean, just look her up and try to find a picture of her. And and Byron is not far off the mark there at all. <laughs> Sadly for her.
0: <laughs> well, okay, now I'm I'm, I'm going to jump another fence here, and uh, you know what? Uh, this is what like the thirtieth. Uh, anniversary of The Big Lebowski? Yes. at which
1: Something like that, yeah. And, you and, know, and,
0: and when Lebowski was first released, uh, it was not a hit because the critics didn't know what to make of it. It was like, you know, 10 movies in one that all kind of tied together. And now it's a cult movie. You got Lebowski Fests all over the country where the cast uh, does show up. And even... Here's my connection. Even uh, my classmate from North Carolina School of the Arts, Michael Huddleston, his father was the big Lebowski. Yeah, that's right. right? And uh, and Santa Claus. And Santa Claus. And by the way, uh, uh, Good Morning America did a uh, uh, an interview with John Goodman and Jeff Bridges and Steve Buscemi. And it's online. You can find it with uh, have to. with Harry Smith. Uh, it's uh, unedited. So it's a, about 26, 27 minutes long. And uh, they they did bleep, which is weird since this one is, you know, otherwise raw. But it is interesting to hear these guys talk and reminisce and uh Talk about, you know, the people who were in the film that are now gone. John Polito, who played the detective who was trailing the dude, mm-hmm. he passed away earlier this year. But then when you think of it, of course, David Huddleston, the Big Lebowski himself, he passed away. And Philip Seymour Hoffman. You almost forget oh, that he was yeah. in that film. I and did. he was brilliant. He, he played the assistant, Brandt to The Big Lebowski. And he he was the ultimate suck-up, you know.
1: Because uh, I have a connection to the film in a sense, too, because I interviewed Jeff Bridges for an article um, a few years back. And when he called... I swear, I felt like I was talking to the dude. He is the dude. He absolutely... He wasn't playing a part. That is him.
0: (laughs) And that's how he comes across in the interview with Harry Smith.
1: Which makes it that much better, you know? (laughs) I mean, the fact that he's just so genuine in the film, you gotta love him. I mean, I do do love Jeff Bridges.
0: And they talk about one of their favorite scenes that they did was the scene where they go out to the valley to shake down this kid whose uh, school paper they found in uh, the dude's car. And they said that was like one of their favorite scenes. He said the kid was just amazing. If you that face, the kid (laughs) glaring back at them. And then Pilar, the housekeeper, referring to the guy in the iron lung. He's not doing very well.
1: <laughs> How, who was the kid? Do we know who? Did he stay in the business? I don't know. The
0: character name was Larry, but then Goodman, Goodman talked about uh, having to bash the uh, the Corvette with you know the um, crowbar and scream obscenities. And he said, "So here we are at night in this neighborhood." Oh my God! I'm I'm doing. He said I was really really reluctant. Until they told me that they'd gone door-to-door door telling everybody
1: that that was going to happen. <laughs> oh, gee. The, uh, you know, now, and the, one of the things that bothers me, and Hollywood, damn them, does this all the time, they're talking about doing a remake. Really? Well... Of the big Lebowski. And Jeff Bridges said, not without me, they're not. And he said, "He said I'll do it. You know, he says, but you better be asking me to do it. Um, and uh, Why? Yeah, why would Hollywood constantly makes, remakes films that were done great the first time around. Hitchcock, Alfred Hitchcock, had, had the right idea when he said they remake the wrong films. They should remake the films that were a good idea that weren't done right the first time around.
0: Which he did with his own 39 Steps.
1: Right. But he said, "But that's those are the films to remake, not a film that was a classic and its first incarnation.
0: And, you know, the, these guys alluded to a film. I don't know if it has been made. Even they didn't really know if it has been made. But it's another view, uh, kind of a biopic of the Jesus, John Turturro the guy who who licks his bowling balls
1: <laughs> oh my god John, John tutorturo he wasn't in the interview was he no he wasn't he did did you watch the show he did for hBO uh,
0: I guess I didn't the night it?
1: of it was called the night of and he plays a uh a real mess of a lawyer uh who who defends his country. It was, it was a brilliant show, um, with a star-making performance by Riz Ahmed, who is now every showing up everywhere, um, and a very talented young actor and a musician. He's a rapper too. Um, but he was excellent in it, as was Terturo. And I believe there's going to be a second season, uh, with Terturo, not with Riz Ahmed, but, uh, with Terturo.
0: Yeah, I'll have to watch for that and see if I can find the uh, stream of, of The Night Of.
1: It is, And, and speaking of, of good uh, miniseries, I'm watching um, on Netflix now The Haunting of Hill House.
0: You know, a really good uh, take on that was done for this uh, BBC comedy series, The Haunting of Bill Krauss. So if you get a chance to (laughs) see that.
1: But this (laughs) one on Netflix, it's got a great cast. Carla Gugino. I don't know how you pronounce her.
0: I don't know, but I've been in love with her ever since. I know. Who
1: hasn't? I mean, how do you not be in love love with her? And then Henry Thomas. Oh, E.T. Who was Elliot in E.T. And now is all grown up and plays the dad at, at a young age. And then when the dad is, because it jumps back and forth in time. And in the present day, the older version of The Father is played by Timothy Hutton. Oh, my goodness.
0: Fairly good match yes. there. Yeah.
1: It, it's a it, oh I, I mean, you watch it and you go, yeah, I can see it. So it's a very well done show. But I was talking to my daughter and she finally got around to watching it. And she said, this show's kind of dark. And I said, well, are you talking subject matter or lighting-wise? <laughs> she said, lighting-wise. She said, it's dark. I can't see things. I said, do you have your lights on? I said, turn off the lights. She said, then I'll be scared. <laughs> isn't that why you watch a show called The Haunting of Hill House?
0: Well, it's, you know, I do know that it is based on the writings of uh, Shirley Jackson. Yes. Uh, who wrote The Lottery. And I isn't The Lottery incorporated into one of the uh, episodes?
1: Uh, I I don't know, but I just know I have my ticket for doing for Cool.
0: Because <laughs> it's a
1: billion dollars. Oh,
0: yes, a billion dollars.
1: Do you know what I could do with a billion
0: dollars? Well, you could uh, buy off Mitch McConnell.
1: Well, I actually don't know what I could do with it, <laughs> but I'd like to find out. <laughs>
0: oh, so I think everybody would. And, of course, here in Nevada— you can't buy tickets to Powerball or Mega Millions. You, really? You really, you have to go someplace else. Wait a
1: minute! You can gamble on anything and everything except the lottery. Yep. Yep. Oh, well, that makes absolutely no sense. Prostitution is legal. You've got gambling is legal, but the lottery is illegal. Yeah. Make sense of that.
0: that that's uh, that's why. Uh, From Las Vegas, you can drive about uh, 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 an hour and five minutes to the state line, and quite literally, there's California state line and lottery ticket sales (laughs) with lines all the way from there to Reno.
1: Wow. (laughs) Hey, you know what? I was going to start a new topic, but we're just about out of time. We've only got like... Thirty-nine seconds. Oh
0: left. my goodness! Well, we should do a countdown. So,
1: so I, I can't bitch about my my window projection screen that keeps falling off. With the, the little sticky things don't work. I can't bitch and about school buses that get in the way and, and bog down traffic. Goddamn kids! And I, I what else? I, I, I there's so much and we're out of time oh boy so
0: it'll be next week when I tell you about how it, I might get the uh, the cruise job that
1: would be cool that would be cool <laughs> uh, except I would have to find someone to bitch along with me you, you'll be out at sea
0: you'll be anyway. old guy bitching just <laughs> singular
1: <laughs> just a single old guy bitching uh, and, and, and speaking of which I'm Steve and
0: I'm Byron
1: and we are some people old
0: guys bitching Old Guys Bitching is a production of Old Guys Bitching, written by Steve Fisher and Byron Tidwell and recorded in Seattle and Las Vegas. Hear us on iTunes Podcasts, Google Drive, Spotify, and many other platforms. Copyright 2018, Old Guys Bitching, all rights reserved. (laughs)
1: right <laughs>